I hope you've had a good Thanksgiving weekend. For some of the Carolina fans in our congregation, the weekend's ended pretty well. Others of you who wear orange or have orange in your blood, it's a little bit tough, but we have to accept reality, don't we? It is good to be with you. God has given us so many uh, reasons to be grateful and thankful. I want to express, express my appreciation to God for our pastor, Robert Winburn, and for allowing me the privilege of being in the pulpit this morning in his absence. You know, if you weren't here last week, uh, we heard that Anderson University recognized Dr. Winburn as the South Carolina Baptist Pastor of the Year. And it is good that the rest of the state is recognizing him and that God is giving him some affirmation of that which we already knew, that we have a great pastor. And uh, God has used him mightily in our church and used him mightily in my family's life. And I'm grateful to him and grateful to you as a church. And this is our church family. Thank you for being a church family that loves the Lord, honors the Lord, and, and seeks to serve the Lord here in our state and around the world. And uh, you've been a blessing to me, Maria, and Matthew, and uh, so grateful for the privilege to share God's word with you today. We'll be looking this morning at Acts chapter 8, uh, beginning with verse 26. Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26, and I want to focus on the theme, poking holes in someone's darkness. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out on his way. He met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Robert Louis Stevenson who's best known for his adventure story, Treasure Island, spent most of his early childhood days as a sickly young boy. On one particularly cold winter night, his nurse went up to his bedroom to check on him. And when she opened the door, what she found was Stevenson was out of his bed. He was oversitting next to a window. His nose was pressed against the frosted window pane, looking out into the darkness of the night. Well, the nurse quickly scolded him and said, Child, get back in this bed. You're going to catch your death of cold over there. But Stevenson just sat there, mesmerized, looking out into the dark. And what he saw was a scene that was pretty familiar to them then. He saw a lamplighter making his way along the cobblestone streets, lighting the lamps along the way. And with childlike wonder, he looked back at his nurse and he said, No, 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 see, see out there? 
There's a man poking holes in the darkness. Poking holes in the darkness. That's what Christianity is all about. I want to go ahead and tell you that one month from today, December the 25th, is Christmas Day. And once again, we will celebrate the arrival, the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. And it's a day worthy of celebration, is it not? Because on that day in history, God poked a huge, enormous hole into the darkness of this world. In a world filled with darkness, spiritual blindness, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to be the light of the world. As the Gospel of John tells us in John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. He came to illuminate for us a picture of who God is and to give us a clear understanding of how you and I could have a full, meaningful, and abundant life. He also came to overcome the darkness, to overcome the darkness of sin, to overcome the darkness of death by giving his life as a perfect sacrifice on a cross so that your sins and my sins could be forgiven for all of eternity. And he rose from the grave to give us triumph triumph over the grave. Jesus is the light of the world. Now, there are some in our society today would say that, well, no, Jesus is just another religious figure, another religious leader. He's a good teacher. Some might even say during this season of the year, you know, it would be better for us to take the Christ out of Christmas. But you know, based upon what Jesus himself said, based upon the testimony of scripture, based upon our faith, we must proclaim in this place today that Jesus is the light of the world. That he is God's one and only son. And it's only through his light that the darkness will be defeated Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus, the light of the world, turned to his followers then, and he communicates to his followers today, as recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. Jesus' commission to those who follow him, who bear his name, is that we are to shine his light that we are to carry and to extend his light into this world. And we do that in so many different ways as followers of Christ. There are many different ways we can shine his light. Whenever we gather together to worship in his name, we lift high his name in worship. We shine the light of Christ in this culture. Whenever you and I act in a way that is obedient to his teaching, whenever we do the things that he has called us to do, whenever we treat others the way that he would want us to treat them, we shine the light of Christ in this culture, in this world. But scripture is very clear that probably the most profound, the most focused, the most brilliant way that we are the light of the world, the way that we can shine the light of Christ best in this culture and in this world 
is when you and I share the good news of Jesus and we are able to introduce those who are living in darkness into the light of Christ. That, in fact, is why this church exists. In fact, that's why all church churches exist, to share the light of Christ so that those who are in darkness can come to know Jesus as the light of the world. C.S. Lewis, a great Christian writer, says it this way, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men to Christ, to make them into little Christ's. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. We are here to draw people into the light of Christ, to help them become little Christ. And if there are other things that we're doing beyond that, then that's just a waste of time because the most important thing is to shine the light of Christ and to introduce others into the light of Christ. But how do we do that? How do we draw people to the light of Christ? In our scripture passage from today, Philip gives us a terrific example of how we can do that. Philip was one of the seven men chosen by the church in Jerusalem to be a deacon, to care for the widows in need. He was to be a servant, literally a waiter of tables, to serve those in need. But Luke records for us in Acts chapter 8 that Philip was more than just a servant. He understood his call to serve, but he also understood that his call as a Christian was to share, to share the light of Christ, to introduce others to Jesus. And so in Acts chapter 8, you see Philip, this deacon who's been called out to serve, he's actually sharing his faith with other people. He's, in the first part of chapter 8, he's moved to the region of Samaria, to go to a different people group to, to share about Jesus. And people are coming to know Christ through his witness. But then in the last part of chapter 8, we see Philip in a personal interaction with another person. And Philip shares the light of Christ with him. And as he does, he pokes a hole in the darkness of that man's life. And he comes to faith in Jesus. I want us to look at this example of Philip this morning and to see how you and I can follow his example to poke holes in the the darkness of other people around us, to share the light of Christ and to draw them to the Lord Jesus. Well, the first thing I notice as I read this encounter that Philip has with the eunuch is this. The first thing that he does to begin to shine his light is that he follows the Lord's lead. If you and I are going to poke holes in someone's darkness, we first must begin by following the leadership of God in our life. Now, I must admit that as a Southern Baptist, when we talk about introducing people to Jesus and bringing them to Jesus, we are so quick to to jump to, to helping people tell other people about Jesus. We train and we equip and we have all these classes so that you can learn how to talk to other people about Jesus. And that is important. And we're going to see that in this encounter. There there is a time when we are called to say words about Jesus. But I fear that sometimes we look at that and we go too far too quick. In this encounter, and I believe this is really true to what God wants us to do with our lives as we share the light of Christ. In this encounter, Philip gives us a different example. He starts by first having a relationship with God. 
evangelism for him, introducing people to Jesus, begins with his personal relationship with God, being led by the Spirit of God. In this passage of Scripture, in verse 26, you see how Philip heard from an angel of the Lord to go south to the desert road. Philip, living in communication with the Lord, senses or hears that he's to move from where he is and to go to this other place. Philip is responsive and and, and listening to the Lord's leadership in his life. And it's interesting how in this passage, Philip was having success in Samaria where he was, where things were going well. And it was there that in, in his time with the Lord and an angel of the Lord comes to him and speaks to him and says, no, you've got to leave this place and go over there. I want you to follow my lead. And Philip does that. And as he does, he, he sees a, a caravan, a, a chariot and, and other things are surrounding a very important person. And again, the Spirit of God speaks to Philip. And the Spirit of God says to him, I want you to go near to that chariot. And I want you to stay near to that chariot. Long before Philip ever says anything in this passage, long before he ever communicates the good news of Jesus, Philip is first and foremost focused on hearing from God and allowing God to lead him to that divine appointment that God had orchestrated. Now that's an important truth for us to understand. The question for us then is this, how are we doing at hearing from the Lord? How are we doing at spending time with God and allowing God's spirit to change us and guide us and move us toward people with whom he wants us to encounter? How are we doing at being sensitive and praying, God, where is it that you want me to go? Who is it that you want me to go toward? How are we doing in allowing God to lead us? I do love that passage of scripture there that says, where the spirit of God says, go to that chariot and stay near it. You know, I think there are a lot of people around us in our community, in our families, That if we are sensitive and we are praying and seeking the Lord's leadership, he's going to say to us, I want you to go near to their life. I want you to go near to them, to live life with them, to relate to them, to care about them. Because they are people living in darkness and they need the light of Christ and you have it. So I want you to just go near them, love them, care for them. It might be the people that live right next door to you. It might be your grandchildren. It could be somebody that that you're not even that closely related to. Maybe just a person at work that God's just kind of stirring your heart to move toward them. How responsive are we? I want to give you a little illustration from our ministry of how this works. I have the privilege of working with college ministry across our state on behalf of our South Carolina Baptist Convention. And this past semester, I heard about a, a young lady at Francis Marion University she was in one of her classes and, and she was praying and, and just really seeking the Lord for how he was going to lead her to help share witness in her classroom. Well, she noticed this one guy in her class that just kept asking questions that, that, that showed her that he was really coming from an atheistic standpoint, the, uh, our foundation. God moved in her heart to really be burdened for this guy. And so she just began to, to talk to him. Becoming a friend to him. 
And she got to know him and understood some of his background, some of the ways in which he had been wounded by his father, even wounded by some of his experiences in a church growing up. And the more she stayed near him, she understood a little bit of why he was like he was. And she kept inviting him to our Baptist collegiate ministry there on that campus. And he, at first he said, no, I don't have anything to do with that, man. I don't want anything to do with anything religious. Well, the more she stayed near to him and, and stayed involved in his life, she kept saying, well, I want you to come. I want you to be a part of what I'm experiencing. I think there's some good things there for you. He kept saying, no, no. And she said to him this, you know what? Because I care about you, I'm going to text you twice a week, every week until you come. And she started doing it. She did that for two years. During the school year, every, two, every week, a couple of texts a week, hey, I'm not forgetting about you. I want you to come. I want you to be a part of what's going on. Finally, as the Spirit of God was working in this young man's life this past summer through some things that were going on in his life, he came back to school she texted him about some welcome back events there at the BCM. And he was driving past it to go out to a bar. And he decided, well, I better just get her off my back. Maybe the text will stop if I just go. And he drove in. The service started and he went over to the campus minister and he said, uh, I, I really don't want to stay for the service, but I want to talk to you. Do you have some time? And our campus minister that's provided by the cooperative program, the South Carolina Baptist Convention, sat down with him. And for two hours, questions and answers, questions and answers, questions and answers. At the end of that time, he didn't pray to receive Christ, but he was one step closer in that journey. Two weeks later, that same young lady and some other friends invited that young man to church. The Spirit of God came on him. And in that church, the pastor preached the gospel and that young man said, I could not sit. I had to go forward and give my life to Jesus because in a strange and incredible way, I understood that he was the way and the truth and the life for me. And he gave his life to Christ. And since that point, that young man has in turn led another young man in his, on his campus to faith in Christ. And what would have happened if, the, if young Hannah had not been sensitive to the Lord's leadership in her life? had not been praying and seeking, who do you want me to go near? And, and, and what if she had not stayed near to him for those two years and doing those text messages? What would have happened? We don't know. But because of her faithfulness, that young man knows the light of Christ for all of eternity, and he's led others to Christ. Well, the second thing that Philip shows us beyond following the Lord's leadership is to make good use of questions. You know, questions are important tools for communication, aren't they? From a very early age, children learn the power of questions. And those who teach them in Sunday school understand that they know the power of questions. If you work with those little kids in Sunday school, you know some of the questions they can come up with. Recently, this past week, I saw the top 10 questions children asked their Sunday school teachers. We're not going to go through all 10, but I'll give you a few of the highlights. When Noah was on the ark... Who was in charge of the poop pickup? It's an important question, by the way. When Jesus put mud on the blind man's eyes, did he also hand him a washcloth? 
He understands the caring heart of God, doesn't he? When the disciples were in the storm, why didn't they watch the weather channel? And then for Christmas, when Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, how come they didn't make reservations first? A child's questions may make us smile, but you know what? There's power in asking good questions. The right question asked at the right time to the right person can change a person's life forever. Francis Schaeffer, great theologian and pastor, said this, that if he only had one hour with somebody, he would spend 55 minutes asking questions and five minutes trying to say something that would speak to his or her situation. Asking questions. Do you notice from this passage of Scripture that Philip's first words to the eunuch were in the form of a question, verse 30. Before he starts downloading information that he knows and he wants to share about Jesus, he asks a question. Do you understand what you are reading? A simple question, but a profound question for that Ethiopian eunuch at that moment. Do you understand what it is that you're trying to read and process from the prophet Isaiah? You know, instead of focusing on what to say to people, maybe we need to focus more on asking, what are we to ask those people that God's drawing us near? Jesus did that. To the Samaritan woman at the well, he began that life-changing conversation with her by asking a simple question, will you give me a drink of water? The crippled man in John 5, he asked, do you want to get well? To those who are ready to be his disciples, he asked a penetrating question. Who do you say that I am? As God leads us and guides us to draw near to certain people, we need to do like Philip and focus on the right questions to ask them. Not just to download a lot of information to them, but to ask them questions that would show that we care about them, that we want to know where they are spiritually so that we can help them in their journey to find the light of Christ. Questions like this, do you believe there is a God? Do you have a religious background? What is it? What do you think about Jesus? If you really want to know where somebody is in their journey, ask them that question. What do you think about Jesus? You know, you don't have to be offensive. You don't have to be argumentative. All you have to do is ask a question, and the Spirit of God will use that in that person's life. Philip asks the question of the eunuch, and the Ethiopian eunuch invites Philip into his chariot to help him understand the scripture. The whole gospel conversation began with a question. The last point. Philip not only follows the Lord's lead, he not only makes good use of questions, but he also emphasizes the good news of Jesus. You know, it's important for us as believers, if we're going to shine our light, that we pray and we allow the Lord to lead us to certain people that he has placed on our hearts because he's working in their life and he's working in our lives and he's going to bring together a divine encounter if we allow him to do that. We need to be focused on really caring about people, asking the right questions. But you know what? If we do all of that, If we do all of that and we don't emphasize and lift up the good news of Jesus, then we failed them. We have failed them because we have kept them from knowing the light of the world. 
We've not given them the opportunity to experience the good news of Jesus. The early church understood that they had to prioritize and emphasize the good news of Jesus Christ. They were focused on one thing and one thing only, drawing people to Christ and helping them become little Christ. You know, it's not so much how many people we get to join our church. It's not so much the number of people that, that we see at, get involved in, in, in social ministry. It's not so much the number of people that we invite to our Sunday school fellowships. In and of themselves, those are not bad things. But the truth of the matter is, is that we have to emphasize the good news of Jesus. We have to lift high his name. We have to allow him to to honor his word that if he is lifted up, he would draw all people to himself. I want you to look at the description given of the early church in Acts 5 verse 42. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. For those early believers, the good news of Jesus, his gift of salvation was too good to keep for themselves. You know, I love to hear Allison pray, don't you? I loved her prayer this morning, how she reminded us as she was praying to the Lord, God, you've given us so many blessings, so many blessings. Well, you know what? The greatest blessing that God has given to the majority of us in this room is the gift of the good news of Jesus. That's a blessing. So our call is to go out and to give that and to share that with other people. Philip had that perspective. Taking Isaiah 53, the passage that the eunuch was reading, and recognized that Philip had no idea that God was stirring the heart of this Ethiopian eunuch to draw him to the scriptures, to be a God worshiper. Philip had no idea of that, but as he was led by the spirit of God, as he drew near that chair, as he asked him, then he understood this man's need. He couldn't understand what he was reading from the Bible. You know, there may be some people around us that we think, boy, they're, they're a long way from the Lord. They're far away from the church. In the privacy of their home, they may be reading scripture. They may be asking big questions about who God is and is Jesus valid? But Philip took that very passage of scripture according to verse 35 and he told the Ethiopian eunuch the good news of Jesus. You see, Philip was focused on Jesus because Jesus was the only answer to the eunuch's need. Jesus was the only light that could help the eunuch's darkness. Do you believe that today? I believe that. With those in my family that I'm burdened for because they're living in darkness, I believe with all my heart that the only light that will help them is Jesus. Those people that live around me in our community, on our college campuses, across the world, the only light that will matter for them, that can make a difference in their life is the good news that Jesus saves them from their sins and gives them the hope of eternal life and a connection with God for all of eternity. I want people to know that. 
A couple tells the story of their two children, a son, 11, a daughter, 7. They were visiting Carlsbad Caverns. As usual, when the tour reached the deepest point in the caverns, the guide turned out all the lights to dramatize how dark and quiet it could be below the earth's surface. The little girl, surrounded by complete darkness, was frightened and she began to cry. Suddenly, the voice of her big brother was heard. Don't cry. Somebody here knows how to turn the lights on. You know what, in this congregation, I know because I know you. There are a lot of people that know how to turn the lights on. There are a lot of people who have been given the light of Christ. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to follow the example of Philip and be dedicated over this next month, this next year, to pray and to ask the Father, God, who are those people that you're wanting me to have a divine appointment with? Would you guide me toward them? Are we willing to follow that lead and to go near to people and to help them and to to be kind to them and to, to care about them as God leads us? And then we'll be focused to ask good questions. Questions of our grandchildren or our children, our neighbors. Ask them questions about things other than college football or about the economy or about their jobs. Ask them about the things that really matter for eternity. And then at that right moment, just tell them what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to know all the scriptures. All you have to do is to lift high the good news of Jesus and his promises. He'll draw them if you'll lift up his name. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word, for the example that you give to us from your word of real people like ourselves who were changed by your spirit, changed and made a difference in the lives of others, who, who poked holes in the darkness of other people's lives. God, would you continue to speak to us today? Would you allow us to hear your spirit guide us and speak deep into our hearts? And Lord, would you give us the courage to respond to do those things that you're calling us to do? We want to be the people that you've created us to be. We want to shine the light that you've given us. So would you allow us the opportunity to follow your lead and do just that. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.